This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. All right, here we are on another new episode of the Drive the Lane Podcast. We got a lot in store for you all today. We're going to talk a little basketball, two games this week, you know, a win over a ranked opponent and loss to an unranked opponent who may be ranked by the time you're listening to this. And then we have Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic on to preview the college football playoff because, yeah, the Bucks are playing a, a playoff game this weekend, but it's only their seventh game of the season. I don't think they should be even ranked in the top 25. We'll get to, we'll get to all that. Joe, let, let's, let's go in order. Let's jump into it with the Ohio State-Rutgers game. Literally the two games were backwards. Down big, come back, up big-ish, come back. Let's start with Rutgers. Thoughts on that? Um, you're, you're, yeah, I, I agree. In the sense of, like, types of basketball games, they were polar opposites, right? Like, the Northwestern game, the whole time you're sitting there like, we're going to lose versus or I, I, we're going to win. Like, okay, we're up five, we're up seven, we're up three, we're down one. Like, either way, like, we're going to pull this out. Versus in the Rutgers game, the whole time we're losing and you're like, this is a bummer, like, Maybe let's let's make it look close on the scoreboard, whatever. And then we end up winning by what, like twelve, whatever it was. Just polar opposite games. In terms of the Rutgers game, uh, you know, it was really cool to see. That was like the first time we were down significant, like down big, big, right? So it was cool to see us come back. And um, you know, moving on, the greatest thing about it is obviously the win is awesome. Rutgers is a great team. It's gonna be a great tournament win. Yada yada yada. But, like, knowing as a team, as a player, whatever, knowing in the back of your head that if you get down 10-plus and you have the ability to come back and win, that's great to know, you know, at the at, you know moving on in the year. Because, you know, if you're down 15 at home to, say, Michigan with, with 10 minutes left in the half, you're not thinking, oh, this thing's over. You're thinking, oh, we've done it before. We can do it again. So that's my major takeaway from the game is awesome win, but it's, it's even better to know that we are capable of coming back to win. Uh, in terms of Northwestern, uh, I, I was speaking with a, with a member on the staff who shall not be named uh, after the game. First, he said, um, I can't – it was the first, the first Northwestern game that the Lane family hasn't been to in like eight years, which is literally true. So that he said, we miss you guys, first of all. And then he said, yeah, it sucks to lose. Northwestern is great. Like, there, there's no questions they're a good team. Like, you know, in my opinion, and I think you too, like it remains to be seen if they're like elite, like the real deal. Like, you know, it's too early to say that. They're really good though, no doubt about it. But he said, this is the prototypical, stereotypical, whatever you want to call it, game where you don't win. You, you didn't, you didn't, uh, Northwestern didn't win the game. We lost the game, right? So kind of a bummer in that sense. I mean, like, Winning on the road in the Big Ten is hard, even if in an empty arena. Like, just – I mean, like, home court advantage is – it's not the same, but it still exists. And Northwestern, obviously, is playing with a lot of confidence and a lot of juice, and, like, credit to them because they played a, a really – they came – I mean, like, I cannot believe they won the game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, major – I mean, the major takeaway is, like, it's it stinks, but we, we move on. Like, Nebraska is a great – like, you know, I might eat my words, but it's a great bounce-back game hopefully, you know, where we can get something rolling again. I, I think, like, I'd be more mad if we looked like the inferior team, but clearly we were the better team and just lost the game. So, it's all right. I mean, like, Dwayne Washington, that shot at the end, like, you can't ask for a better look. A lot of people were talking at me on Twitter, which, it, I mean, like, two things. That, if you want me to respond, guys, two things that you can say. Number one, you talk about the coaching staff and say something bad about them. I'll respond every, almost every single time. And number two, you talk bad about a player. I'll respond almost every single time. Now, if you say, like, man, Dwayne was just off tonight. Like, he was. Like, I'm not going to come at you for that. But if you say, like, Dwayne shouldn't have been in the game. How do we not get the ball to E.J. Liddell? Holman sucks. Like, first of all. I got your, I got your perfect tweet. That first, you of all, first of all, shut the fuck up. Not <laughs> you, Golden, but that guy. Second of all, I, I, Zolan, you've been on the other side as a fan, like, have you ever been so frustrated that you tweet at a guy? Like, I don't – I literally do not understand that. I've def I definitely have never tweeted at, like, a former player or someone around or near the program and said anything. But I've definitely been vocal about, like, 
about Baker and, you know, I've eaten my words on that, but of course I've been vocal about like Jim Boylan and Hugh Jackson yeah, and guys like that in the past, different. but it's different when, <laughs> when it's like one game that's frustrating you. It's not like it's been a season with Holtman. It's just one game. Yeah. Like, uh, God, get a grip people. I literally just, it's so, first of all, I, if you really think that Holtman is a bad – this is a really bad road to go down. If you really think Holtman is not a good coach, who the fuck is the alternative? Like, what? Like, don't even get me started. How does it get any better than Holtman? He is literally a top 15 coach in the country. We don't need to – like, you want Cal Perry? He's doing great. Like, whatever. I, we do not need to do it yet into that. That's dumb. Let's talk. You ready? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, yeah ready give me for... the, the worst tweet I could possibly get. At Joey Smoke 14 Fire Holtman, he sucks. Musa shouldn't even be anywhere near the court. And JT's uh, op- JT's debut was not impressive. He should go to the G League. Yeah, I mean, you got it. Now I know how to grind your gears. I'm just going to start texting you Fire Holtman. Yeah. Seriously, though, that the ultimate, ultimate grind my gears is when people talk bad about Holtman. Like, Players have off nights. Coaches have off nights, too. Like, Holtman, he didn't have an off night, but, like, clearly he should take the blame for that loss because we should have won the game, which, at the end of the day, it's the coach's job. Like, whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with being critical of the coach. It's like, you got – don't say he sucks and fire him. That is so ridiculous to say that. But, no, something, I mean, like – Something yeah. that we need to see from Ohio State, and I think, I think Nebraska is where it could come. There's only been – three Big Ten games, okay? So it's tough to say they haven't done this in the Big Ten yet. But you want to see a game where just, like, start to finish, they're in control, where they get out to a hot start, they sustain it. Maybe the team brings it within, like, eight or five. But, you know, you just want a game where it's never in question. You know, even the Northwestern game, even though they pulled away a little bit, for the most of the game, it was kind of back and forth. Like, Ohio State would have a big, you know, right hook, and Northwestern would kind of just jab a little bit and get back into it, get back into it, get back into it. So I wouldn't say that that game was necessarily, you know, what I'm talking about, but I do yeah. think that that is yet to happen, which, which if you're an Ohio state fan and if you're, you know, us who's talking about the team and all that stuff, you want to see just a dominant opening tip to finish game. Something that we have not seen in football yet, which is a dominating dominating over a good team start to finish um you know they did it against like michigan state but but that's kind of it before we jump in and talk about football you know uh jay sean tate his debut i joked about it very 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 impressive what have you seen from jt you know whether it was last year with the kings or or the, the sydney kings not to get confused or this year you know you, preseason with the rockets and everything what have you seen that you're like he did not have that at Ohio State, and he's absolutely got it now. I mean, it's the only – there's only one answer, and it's the fact that he shoots the, the piss out of the ball now. It's so unbelievably impressive. It just goes to show you that there are two ways to become a really good shooter, and it's, number one, naturally you're gifted as a really good shooter, which clearly it takes some element of that. But it, it, it is – JT has proven fact that if you work really, really hard on it, like, it can happen. And it takes a certain mentality as well. Like shooting a lot of it is mental, but I'm so, I've been so impressed with um, the Rockets are the perfect team for him. Cause number one, he doesn't have a position there uh, and he can play the same way he kind of played in college where he handles the ball a bit and finishes around the rim. And, and now he added the element of being able to shoot from, from deep. And uh, you know, the three that he made in the game was so impressive because it was in transition without hesitation. Like he definitely didn't have that. So, I mean, we got to give a quick shout out to him, obviously, friend of the program, uh, Jay Sean Tate, former guest, because uh, it was a pretty impressive debut. Former guest, future guest. Yeah, and a future guest for sure. I want to read. Uh, I want to read you a tweet. Um, hold on, pulling it up, or a quote, I should say, um, from I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, he said that undrafted overseas rookie was locking me up in everything. Like who, I was like, who is this? Made me think about retirement. <laughs> that is a real quote from Carmelo Anthony about Jay Sean Tate. And I tweeted during the game. It's like, wow, this is pretty cool. Jay Sean Tate is guarding Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Like Melo, like. Yeah. Two and three. So, yeah. I mean, 
It's pretty cool. I, I know Ohio State follows suit in Jay Sean Tate. It's funny, another last thing about JT that was funny. My dad texted him. My dad is famous for um, texting everybody after a good game. Like, he literally will, like, text all my former teammates. It's, it's, the, it's my favorite quality about him. He's, he's very supportive, very positive. So, he texted JT after the game. said, tough loss, um, but you were awesome. And he responded and said, thank you. Uh, all good. We got 71 more, more tries at it. Because, <laughs> like, in the NBA, they just don't – They you can't look at each game and, like, care about them because you're on to the next one. There's just so yeah. many. What, what I think is cool, and I've started to do it a little bit also, and I know you do this, and part of it is because the Bulls are just so atrocious. Like, I find myself rooting for players so much more – now than I used to and for you it's a little different because it's your teammates it's your friends you know but like I find myself like I'm a huge Clay Thompson fan so I like haven't Clay, gotten to see Clay him. greater than who do you what's the argument Clay or no, no no it's not it's not an argument I I before Kawhi went to Toronto I had a bunch of arguments like Clay or Kawhi oh but Ka- Kawhi's obviously proven that um but you know like I'm into what D'Angelo Russell's doing. I'm into what JT's doing. You know, I follow Brunson more than I would because you. Obviously, I'm a huge LeBron guy. Like, I, I am checking in on LeBron and all that stuff. Like, it's weird. And I think it's partly because the Bulls are so bad. Let me but ask like you I, this. Is it more fun? And I have a different I, – I might have a different answer than you. Is it more fun to be a fan of a bunch of players versus a team? I think if the Bulls were good and I was a fan of all these players and also a Bulls fan, then that would be really fun. I think it's it's the answer is no if your team is good and the answer is yes if your team is bad. Yeah, because to me, I, I have slowly, ever since moving to Ohio, number one, because when you're playing college basketball, it's like, yeah, it's hard to like just like go out of your way to like watch NBA games and root for NBA team. Like you don't waste your energy on that. Like I, I you know, it. It's just different, right? So, and and the combination of that and in Ohio, I didn't watch the, I didn't get to watch the Bulls games, you know. So, I slowly lost my Bulls fandom as they got worse and worse, and as I got farther away from home. And then it was like, oh, now I know guys in the NBA who are on really good teams. Like, why in the, like, would I rather see the Chicago Bulls with guys I don't know win a playoff game or see? the Mavericks with one of my closest friends win the championship. Like it's not even close. And you're right. It's fun. Cause you are joining me on that journey kind of now where you're like, bro, like, look at, how do you see how Brunson did? I'm like, bro, it's three 30 on yeah. a Sunday. Like, why do you care about what Jalen's doing? He's like, cause well, I'm also like, like I'm also, you know, I'm tuned into what Porter does for, for the, um, for the nuggets, you know, it's just like, there's so many, and that's not even a, a connection for me outside of just growing uh, older. And like, we love Duncan Robinson. We love, like, I love following Duncan Robinson and everyone loves that just cause he's so like, like fun and normal and just like cool to cheer on. But like, it's cool that we've had him on the show and we get to watch him play. So, you know, I found, I find ourselves, I find myself rooting for, for our guys, which I think that's a great transition to this. There's one, hold on. There's one problem with our theory is obviously we're rooting for Jay Sean Tate, but I don't like James Harden. So what do I do? Well, you hope he gets traded. All right. Thank you. I I, I like Harden. See, I, I don't dislike anyone. I used to dislike players like not like watching them, all that stuff. But well, I don't like Giannis, but that's the only, that's the only player that I don't like. And that's just because I, I, I Giannis, oh, oh. but you know, like I don't hate, like even Draymond. Like people are like, oh, I hate Draymond. Blah, blah. I don't like. I, I don't. How see hating Draymond is a crime. Hating and Steph like, and like crime. people that hate LeBron. You know, it's just like I, I get if you don't think he's a goat, but like hating, like I just I don't hate any player. I don't even hate Giannis. Like I'm not like I don't. I just I just want to be right that I don't think he can he can win it all. But. That's a good transition to what I'm trying to trans transition to, which is uh, we root for our guys, and Drew Christman's got a pretty game or pretty big game this weekend. He does. Will he be playing? Is the we real don't question. Know. That is. We that are is recording the this. Let's let's start. Obviously, we're going to dive into to the Ohio State game now. We're not going to dive into it, but we're going to talk briefly about it because we dive into it with Nicole. But briefly, we are recording this. 
on Sunday night. Um, Zoldan's in a battle for his fantasy championship, as am I. And we don't know who's playing and who isn't playing uh, in the game. So don't don't tweet at us when you listen to this. Like, what? He's not playing. He's not. No, like we have no clue. Okay. No, that's that's number one. Number two, Zoldan. I know you saw the tweet that Gene Smith tweeted out of a picture of practice. And clearly Chris Olave was out on the practice field and somebody took a screenshot of it, zoomed in on it, made it really blurry and then put it next to the barefoot picture. And it was the funniest tweet I've ever seen. So (laughs) it looks like Olave might be playing, but we don't really know. So that's the main caveat is we're going to assume that these guys are soon enough, right? Yeah. And and the line is like floating around eight to six and a half, you know, depending on where you look, depending on when you look. I personally think the line should be a little bigger in favor of Clemson, but I really think there's a lot of unexpected and unknown with Ohio state where if they have their full team, it could be an offense that can score 50 points against Clemson. The problem is if they have no, if they don't have, I mean, even if it's just a lave, like they are not only are they losing, they're getting run off the field, right? I think yeah. we can both agree there. Yeah. Well, I think the defense is is not good enough to get the stops that they're going to need. And if they don't have Olave, and, and we talk more about this with Nicole, but, you, you know, we're, we're realists. We're realists on drive the lane. And we will eat our words if the defense we is – we will eat our words if, if, like, Ohio State wins, like, 27-20. Like, then we'll absolutely eat our words on saying we're wrong. We want to. We are rooting yeah. so hard for Ohio State. Like, there's no doubt about it. But, like, rooting and and it's the whole – I think we talk about this with Nicole. It's the whole heart versus the mind, right? Like, yeah, we both – our hearts are so in it for Ohio State. Like, we have friends on the team. We – obviously, one of us is an alumni. One of us is a bigger fan, but not an alumni. It's kind of a weird little thing we have going on, right? But our brains, like, we're not dumb. Like, we know sports. Like – Ohio State is not supposed to win the game, but they have a chance. Like, like they got a fighter's chance. I mean, like if Northwestern can beat Ohio State in basketball, why can't we beat Clemson? Well, when when they beat Alabama a few years ago, I feel like it wasn't that big of an upset because Zeke was like the best player on the field, and Cardell Jones had an absolute cannon. And we see now what Michael Thomas is in the NFL. So it wasn't. It's not that crazy they beat them. Like, I mean, Fields and Lawrence are going to probably be the first and second pick. Definitely, in my opinion, the first and second quarterbacks taken. I just, I, I just don't think the the talent is that close. And yeah, it's not talent. It's not talent as much as it is like age and stuff. You know, like. The team is much older in Clemson. You know, they got ETN who's been there for 40 years. This is going to be Trevor Lawrence's third playoff in three years. I just I, – I would be – there's just a lot for Ohio State to overcome. In the Alabama game, it was just like, can you score on Alabama's defense? Yeah. You know, now so. it's – now it's – and sorry, I keep interrupting you. But now it's like, can you score on Clemson's defense? And then – can you also score enough to keep up with Clemson's offense? Yeah, I think um, the number one difference from this Ohio State team in years past is we were never worried about getting outscored, and that's two ways. Number one, our offense has always been incredible, right? Like, scoring-wise, like the past few years, like we can score with anyone, it seems like. And then number two, our defense is elite with at every single position we have – draft picks yeah and multiple and so this year the difference is mainly on the defense like yeah we we have Haskell Garrett inside and we have Pete Werner and Tuff and Baron Browning who are all awesome right but the problem is who's going to be back there covering those I mean Clemson doesn't have these same elite receivers but like Sean Wade is is great he's fine he's going to be a first round pick whatever but besides that we've been struggling a bit you know wide receivers are just going off against us and like Thank God we're not playing Alabama or else that would just be a track race and we would lose that nine out of 10 times. Right. So it'll be interesting. And then, you know, the flip side is the, the, the offense has not been super impressive lately. The one thing that we've had going for us in years past in terms of heading into the playoff is momentum. You know, like you think about the championship year, especially like we were arguably the best team in the country, but we were the fourth team, mm-hmm. right? Like we, 
you know, had just won the Big Ten championship by a billion and blah, 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 whatever. But this year, it's like Justin Fields is coming off his worst games of the year. We don't know who's playing. Like, we don't have the momentum. So, it's, it's cool to be the underdog, though. Like, I'm excited about them being the underdog. Don't let the Big Ten bias fool you. And by that, I mean, don't get caught up in thinking Michael Penix is, is better than Trevor Lawrence or that Northwestern's defense is a better defense than Clemson. This is, without a doubt, the best team that Ohio State has played definitely this year. Like, Lawrence is the best quarterback they've played probably in the last four years. Since, yes, and, since last year. And, right, and the defense is – it's not the same as last year. It's, you could say maybe it's not as good. They missed some guys, COVID, all that stuff. But it's the best defense they've played all season. Wait, like, it's better than – they're better than Northwestern's defense who field struggled against, and they're a lot better than Indiana's defense who field struggled against. So, I, there's not a lot to say – other than if Ohio State wins the game, I don't want to say we'll be shocked because that's kind of like that, – that's not how we feel because we know Fields can do stuff and we know Dave's a great coach. But if Ohio State wins, there will be something you can attribute it to. There will be uh, uh, they had 200 yards and two touchdowns. There will be uh, Trey Sermon had an incredible game. Master T was able to penetrate the defense. You know, there will be – there will be something that stands out for why Ohio State wins. And, and I'm going to say this. Let's say Ohio State wins, Joe. What's your, what's your prediction on something that could go right that would be that one thing that stands out? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a couple things. I think if we have three turnovers on defense, um, whether that's interceptions, fumbles, whatever, we need to you know, slow them down on offense, right? Um, I think that's one thing that would have to go well. And then I think – like Fields has got to have 400 plus yards and four touchdowns, I think, to win. Like he's got to play like Justin Fields that we know. And that's, I mean, that's a simple answer, right? Like I'm not going to say Trey Sermon needs to have 200 yards, whatever, blah, 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 whatever. I, I think like we don't know who's playing wide receiver wise, whatever. But I think all of the, all of that combined, right, assumes that the wide receivers are playing. Justin Fields is on his shit, and they've res- and they are respecting the running game, and that in turn gets us gets Justin Fields to have this like Heisman caliber performance, even though he's not in the Heisman race. Um, and that's that's the only way I see us winning. And Trevor Lawrence has to be have a pred- pedestrian like performance. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I I, I think like it's we should probably give a score prediction, um, right? I mean, I, I'm gonna. I, I don't know. We should probably give a score prediction. I don't want to, but but you can go first. I, I'm going to say if Ohio State wins, it's going to be like 41. Not if Ohio State wins. What's your score prediction? All right. I'll happily be be wrong. My score prediction is like 35 or or 35, 35-21 uh, Clemson. All right, good. Then I get to be the good guy. I'm going to pick Ohio State. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to go Ohio State 52, Clemson 49, and Blake Howbill wins it. So are you taking the over? (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely going to take the over in the game. I mean, that'd be 101 fucking points, Joey. I can do math, big guy. That would be insane. Yeah, I but hey, I don't know. There's gonna be so I don't I'm know. changing my prediction to that. That's too fun. Yeah, all right. 52-49. is fifty-two to forty-nine Ohio State. If you would have said like 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 thirty-eight thirty-five, I wouldn't have piggybacked on it. But that would just be such a fun, crazy fifty-two forty-nine. Oh I'm in. My God, could you imagine if mm, my God, if we won on a freaking kick? Oh, Blake. Manifest it if you're listening. Manifest it. It's a 47 yarder from the left hash, Blake. Manifest it. All right, let's get to uh, Nicole Auerbach from the Athletic. All right, join us now on the Drive the Lane podcast. Nicole Auerbach from the Athletic, who covers all things and everything college football. You've definitely seen her name a lot the past year and this past season. Nicole, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to happy to be here. So 
you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the playoff matchups, who we think is going to win and all that. But you've been very vocal and you've written some great stories about your thoughts on, you know, the playoff, the rankings, the committee, all that. So first off, would just love to hear, you know, if you were doing the rankings yourself, who would those top seven or eight teams be? Well, they would not be the same teams in the same order that the selection committee did. I mean, I think what was really frustrating this year is I don't ultimately have a problem with the top four teams, but I have a problem with basically five through 25 because I just think that they were not very consistent at all with logic and justifying things. Like typically in a normal year, they are better at kind of retroactively coming up with reasons to say why a certain team is in a certain spot. And they just, they, they just didn't do that in any sort of believable way this year. And that's what was frustrating because, you know, Cincinnati deserved a fair shake and, and they didn't get it. And so the fact that they ended up being behind a three-loss Florida team wasn't shocking after the way they'd been treated the previous weeks. But if I could have redone things, I would have had Cincinnati in a shot where they legitimately could have been in that conversation for the fourth spot. Like, there's no reason that that final conversation essentially had to come down to Notre Dame versus A&M. Why wasn't Cincinnati there, right? Like, it's about putting teams in spots that make things realistic or defensible. And so I would not have had Iowa State and Oklahoma where they were based on their losses. That happened, that the committee wrote off in certain ways. I would not have a three-loss Florida team in the t- I, I wouldn't have L- – after the LSU game, they should have fallen out of at least the top 10, maybe top 15. That was not a good loss. That was a depleted LSU team, and there's just no way to spin that. So I would have given Indiana a better ranking. I would have given Coastal Carolina a better ranking. I would have given teams that were seemed to not be getting any benefit of the doubt because of their names – I would give them the benefit of the doubt. And so, listen, I understand that, like, it still would have been a long shot for Cincinnati to make the four-team playoff. But the fact that they weren't even close is what bothers me. So I would have set up in this scenario heading into championship weekend where they were at five or six and had a legitimate chance. And so that is still a conversation that can be had that final weekend. I think one thing that is is pretty glaring, and you kind of alluded to, is, is as long as there's going to be four teams in the playoff, it's going to come down to basically like a popularity contest in the sense of who the college football committee thinks everyone's going to like the most and who's going to watch the most, which can you blame them for that? Probably not. But is it fair? Also probably not. I know you have some thoughts and opinions in, in that sense. Um, would you care to dive into those? Yeah, I mean, I think – when you see how this happened and how it shook out, it became that question. Instead of actually having faith in this selection committee and this process to determine the right teams, understanding that it was challenging, understanding that this year in particular, you had teams that played totally different schedules, it like undermined any trust that we had in the system because of decisions like this because of the fact that Ohio State was always in the top four. They could have, here's one small thing they could have done that would have instilled more faith in the process. They could have had Ohio State in the final set of rankings. They did not need to have them in the fourth spot the first set. They did not need to when they only played four games. You can put them at five or six and say, hey, we really like this team. We just want to see them do more. But when you do that right out of the gate, it signals to everyone that it does not matter how many games were played and that the committee just liked that team. They were waiting for them to start and waiting for them to play, but you can still end up on December 20th with Ohio state in the playoff, but you don't have to do that the first time. And I think that's where you're like, Oh, well that's because it's Ohio state. It's because of the name on the Jersey. It's because of the eyeballs that will, you know, that they bring. Right. And, and again, and it's such a small thing because that, that sort of ranking didn't matter. So all you had to do was do one thing that, seemed more fair or don't put Cincinnati at seven in that first one and then start letting them get leapfrogged by Iowa state by, you know, uh, keeping Florida ahead of them saying that they're not playing games when Ohio state 
also wasn't playing games during that stretch. Like you can't, you could do little things to be more consistent that they didn't do. And so it ends up just building and we honestly end up in a system and a place right now where I think we all kind of rolled our eyes a little bit at UCF for declaring themselves national champions. Like I got a kick out of it. I think uh, they annoyed a lot of people for sure. And now I think there's a lot of sympathy for what they did and what they went through. And there's a lot more sympathy for Coastal and Cincinnati fans and also just people who are annoyed by the system. I don't think it helps either that Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State have been – so there's been 28 spots in the playoffs, seven years, four spots a year. And those three teams have accounted for 16 of them. Like I think there's a fatigue factor there too. But there's so much – three of them also right and they, right and Oklahoma's been in a bunch it, it's the same teams and so I think that that fatigue factor plus again I think like everyone is more sympathetic to the plight of the little guy this year it just kind of all converged at the same time with a bad selection committee and everyone is just still really angry about this so something that we saw this year and this has to do a little bit with rankings a little bit with bowls a little bit with matchups the Coastal BYU game was one of the best games of the year, if not the best game of the year. Do you think – so I have a two-part question. Do you think it's time to move on from the second-best SEC team has to be in this bowl and the third-best ACC team has to be in this bowl to get some better matchups? And then another matchup question, do you think in the future there will be programs that leave an extra week open to potentially schedule a beneficial matchup for them? So let's start with the second one because I think that would be awesome. I don't know if people would do that. I think there are ways to do it if you get enough buy-in or even like certain leagues do it because you could, you could also do it as like a SEC Big Ten challenge or something, right? Like as long as enough teams, you know, kind of do a TBD week, you could even decide who's going to play home games and who's not or whatever just for planning purposes. Um, I just – think that people are going to revert back to scheduling games five, 10 years out after this. Like I, I really am going to be annoyed by that, but I think that's what's going to happen. Um, so I would love to see that. And I think it was one of the best games of the season. It was one of the highlights of the season when I think back on the season at a whole. Um, so I would like something like that to happen. I'm not super confident that it would, it would need to be incentivized. And right now, like there wasn't, there's not a huge incentive for other teams to want to do that next year because coaches are going to be annoyed. Like they were, you know, the GAs and these coaching staffs, you know, we're dealing with changing opponents and prep on three days and all these things all season. I don't think that was that enjoyable for them. I don't think they would voluntarily do that, but you could still do it and set the matchups. Like if it was a November weekend, you could set the matchups mid October, whatever it was. So it's, it's a doable thing. I would love to see it. I don't, I'm not super confident in it. Um, as terms of like the the bowls, it's it's really interesting because I'm super curious to see if the fact that the Rose Bowl got moved and all of these teams opted out of bowls and had to cancel bowls, I wonder if there's going if any of that actually has a lasting impact on the postseason because I think you know the Rose Bowl and like the the stubbornness tied to it is part of the reason the playoff system exists the way it does, where the semifinals are not always on the same day. And it's because the Rose Bowl won't give up that slot. But if we go through this year, and honestly, it's fine playing that game in Dallas, does that change the way when they renegotiate? Like, do you need to have the Rose Bowl as part of it? Or do you, like, is the bowl system still going to be part of it? Then what about like these mid-tier, low-tier bowl games that players have been opting out of and now teams are opting out? Like, I wonder, I, I wonder about the future of all of that. So I think it's possible that those types of things change. Or, and then again, like there's bowls with traditional tie-ins to certain leagues because it's just always been that way. And there's tradition. I wonder if that changes too. So my last question before we move on to the actual playoff um, and the guts of it itself is if you were named the commissioner of the college football committee, whatever the title is, the director, the head, the czar, whatever it is, if you were named that, tomorrow what would your first decision be would it and I might be taking your answer by saying this would you change it to eight like the rest of the world wants it to be yes so we'll just call it a czar role because okay. I'm not even sure like executive director I don't you you can't really do this stuff unilaterally the czar of, I'm aware that it's the czar of college basketball so it might as well be the czar of the college yeah, so okay basketball. you wave a magic wand yes I go I go to an eight or 16 team playoff Ooh, eight or 16 
Yeah. I just think the more you can have play out on the field, the better. And I think part of the issues the sport has right now is that, again, we're talking about like the same six or eight teams every single year, and we only view the sport through the playoff prism. So, you know, if the, if Oregon loses to Auburn in week one and they were the best chance for a playoff team out of the Pac-12, we can or the Pac-12. But if you go to eight or, or 16, you go to a system where conference champions have a designated spot that engages all of those fan bases the entire season. And that's part of the problem that's happening right now. And then also if you do eight or 16, but let's say it's eight, but there's a designated group of five spot that engages a whole different level of the sport. Um, instead of, again, like everyone just being mad, there's like a real tangible benefit to, you know, staying engaged with, with that race. And also if you're, if you're in the American, you're keeping tabs on the Sun Belt, you're keeping tabs on Conference USA, right? So that's what I, that's why I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, Cause I think the regular season is really hurting from the current system. So that would be my magic wand. I think that I look at everything from a college basketball lens and the greatest thing about college basketball is that it has the greatest sporting event in all of sports, March Madness, the tournament, as much as college football can make the college football playoff like that in, in certain aspects, obviously the better, like exactly what you said, automatic bids for winning your conference and then the idea of a true selection show where teams don't know if they're in or not. Like this year, we knew what the four teams were. There was no reason to have a selection show. They had four hours to talk about nothing. I mean, it's just like the more you can make it suspenseful and have teams like Clemson has a pizza party, but they know they're in, so who cares? But like I remember, I mean, every team, like the selection show is literally the most nerve-wracking, exciting, greatest thing in the world. And then you can make brackets and all this stuff, like as much as they can go to, whether it's eight, whether it's 16, to make it exciting, because it's not exciting, it's a formality right now, which we keep talking about, the better. I mean, like, just imagine seeing Coastal Carolina celebrating because they got the eighth seed in the playoff. Like, that is so cool, and it makes for Cinderella's. There's no Cinderella's. In the then, you're gonna, then you're going to have 17th ranked Louisiana Lafayette declaring themselves the national champs. No, with 17th upset. I'm just kidding. No, I, I think I think chance then. Here, here's my like where I keep coming down on this. If Cincinnati or Coastal or someone was the eight seed, and they go and they play Alabama and they lose by 30. I'm fine with that. It happens in college basketball every time too. Well, it also happens with. With the team at Oklahoma, Ohio State. We love Ohio State. They lost by 35 to Clemson three years. Right. So, so A, I think even if you get to Alabama-Clemson in the championship game, whatever inevitable matchup it is, it's more interesting on the way there. Maybe the semifinals are better than they are now because they've been so many blowouts, as you mentioned. And you know what? We watched the NCAA tournament when one seed's almost always beat 16 seeds every single year because there's the off chance that one time the 16 seed will beat the one. And you know what? I'd rather, if I'm, if I'm Cincinnati, I'd rather know that and play it out on the field than just be told by the selection committee. We think that Florida is better than you. Yeah. Like, can you imagine how awesome it would be if an eight seed was down seven at halftime to one seed? Like that would be just, I mean, that's a win. Like it's a win for college football. Like, just they need a chance. It's not fair to not yeah. everybody in basketball gets a chance. Like give let's them get a four seed. Let's get a four seed down seven at half this year to the one seed. Seriously, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the last four seed to do anything was Ohio State in the first year, right? I mean, it's crazy. It's just there's so much wrong with it from my perspective. And granted, I look at it in a biased like college basketball lens, which I can't not do that. But like, just copy them. Like, just copy them. Like, it works so well. Just copy them. I know it's. Not easy to do, but seems like you'll earn more fans by doing that. I think if you are already in the space as they are, they're being college sports together, yeah. and one has the best postseason out of any sports, and the Ever. other one has the worst, <laughs> and you should take some tips. Yes, I agree. Right. If we're going to be exchanging tips, we should also have uh, Adam Silver get some PR tips to the NFL as well. And John Mugar. True. But like, but like, to the point about how the semifinals have been so lopsided, what's the spread of Notre Dame and Alabama? Isn't it like 
whatever it is, I already told, I was talking to my friends about this. I'm going to take like an alternate spread of like 35, whatever, whatever alternate spread I can find that's high. It, it is, it just, it's like history repeats itself. It is going to be a blowout and they already lost to Clemson by a hundred. They're just not, they're, they're good. They're just not great, but and this, this is, in this, this, somebody had this theory, and I think it has some teeth to it. And this has been, this has been what has kept Ohio State out in multiple years. Is you really shouldn't be able to be blown out and make the playoff because, like, at some point, that means there's a clear separation yeah. between you and somebody. And especially in this case, that's why everyone thinks it's going to happen again because they saw full strength Death Star Clemson mode. And that was the blowout. And we're like, oh, Alabama also is in their Death Star mode. So, like, this is that, – that's why people don't have faith in that being a competitive game. And meanwhile, first of all, the other semifinal is way more compelling, way more interesting. There's all this vitriol. Like, it's great. But it does suck that the storyline for the other semifinal is – How much oh, remember, <laughs> Yeah, how much are lose by remember 2012? Like, that's literally – those are the two things that everyone's talking about. about. I mean, okay, I'm looking right now. I see 20. Minus twenty Alabama, which which it seems like not. First of all, Clemson being minus seven against Ohio State seems like like it should be higher. Also, but then but then Alabama. Wait, you mean eleventh ranked Ohio State? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> listen, Dabo was at least consistent. He's been saying all that stuff publicly. But yeah, I guess ways we, saying it. Let's let's jump let's jump into that. First we'll we should do Alabama Notre Dame real quick, a little round table about how much we each think Notre Dame's gonna lose by. Because <laughs> obviously everyone who's listening to this most except for we did touch on Indiana. I have some Indiana friends that are just so pissed about this and they we give be. our sympathies to to those guys. But the majority of the listeners obviously are Ohio State fans. So we will get to the meat and potatoes of this episode, which will be a little bit of breakdown of that game. But first, I think Alabama is going to win by 37. What do you guys think? <laughs> I think it has the potential to get like that. But my biggest issue with that matchup is three of these teams have shown they can be quick strike offenses. They can score in 12 seconds drives, right? Like, we were all watching the SEC championship. We saw Florida score. We saw there was a minute left before the half, and you're like, that is way too much time. And it was because Alabama can two plays, touchdown drive. Mm-hmm. Clemson can do that. Ohio State can do that, especially if Chris Olave is back, right? Like, they can do those things. Notre Dame, that's just not how they're built. That's not how their offense runs. And so, at some point, like, you're going to have to keep up in a game against Alabama and a game against Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. Like, I just don't know. I don't think that they have essentially like they don't have the horses to do it, but if they can, you know, get some time off the clock and, and put together long drives, like at least they're going to take away possessions or limit possessions for Alabama. But, I, but the issue is I, it's just the way they're built. Like the other three teams to me, are built in similar enough ways where if it becomes a shootout, they can keep up, or at least they should, unless people are making mistakes. And Notre Dame doesn't do that. And it just, it, it, it kind of sucks for Ian Book because he really was playing great the set back half of the season and him against Clemson the first go around. Like that was an Ian Book that I didn't know he was capable of being. The problem is clearly that was a bit of a fluke in that game because it was very obvious what Clemson is when they're at full strength, when they have guys like Tyler Davis and Skowski back defensively. So that's where the, there's just no faith that they can keep this interesting enough. Although I will say, I didn't necessarily think Notre Dame was going to win that game against Clemson the first time, even without Trevor Lawrence. I, I still was pretty confident in Clemson. So I've been proven wrong before, but at least in that case, you felt like the, that, that, you had two teams on similar ground. And in this case, I, I, I just don't see it unless – again, there's, there's three Heisman finalists on this Alabama team for a reason. Yeah. Last year – and I don't really have much else to add about Bama Notre Dame other than that Mike Golick Jr. might delete Twitter by the time the game happens if he sees any more from the 2012 game. But <laughs> – I, last year, thought it would be cool to pick Oklahoma over LSU and be the only guy that had that right. And I'm not going to make that mistake this year. So I'm (laughs) I'm with both of you that 
Bama <clears throat> dominates. It's over early. You know, maybe we see some flashes of stuff from Ian Book. But I said this with, with Perry the other day. Um, you know, it's tough to – like, when's the last time the national champion, besides Cardell Jones, when's, and he even played in the NFL, when's the last time the national champion, like, didn't play in the NFL? You know, your quarterback needs to be a legitimate NFL chance quarterback. Cardell Jones fizzled out, but – you know, he was drafted with the intention, like, this guy's got a cannon. Let's see if we can turn him into a player. Like, you really cannot win without a quarterback that looks like it can be a first, second, third-round draft pick and play and win in the NFL, which you have in Lawrence, you have in Fields, and people are, are saying that about Mac Jones. So I think that's the difference, you know. And Ian Book is great, but you kind of got to go all – I don't even know the last quarterback – that, you know, won a national championship and then didn't play in the NFL. You know, if JT Barrett did it, that would have been your answer. But if he wins that national championship, maybe get drafted, whatever. That's not here or there. But moving on to the Ohio State-Clemson game, normally we have a lot of bias. I'm having difficulty, you know, coming here and saying, Ohio State's going to come out and win that game. If Olave's back, they, there's no one that can stop them. If they win the game, it's going to be like 52 to 51. I am really excited for this game. I think it's oddly, there's definitely some rivalry elements to this, like because of the familiarity, how frequently they've played the last few years, the way that last year's game ended and how contentious it was with the, with the controversial calls. And I think between the footage of Ryan Day in the locker room, the coach's poll vote, and just some of the Twitter, like the jabbing, the back and forth, like I like it. I am here for it. I it's it was already going to be the much more interesting semifinal, um, but I think that leaning into this like is great. Part of what we love about college sports and college football in particular are petty rivalries and like grudges that don't go away and weird trophies for these things and so I think it's great for this sport and um, I am here for it and I think it's very interesting when you have two quarterbacks who have been so high profile in the sport for for a few years they were the faces of the you know push to play this season they're the ones everyone you know wants to see where they fall on their draft boards I think it's just really interesting. And um, there's also like very, you know, you want to go in the weeds on the differences between last year's teams, the way they, you know, their personnel worked and different things versus this year. Like it's, it's, it's just an interesting chess match. And um, you know, you've got Ryan day, you've got Brent Venables. Like it's just such a fascinating matchup. And then there is the uncertainty of not knowing exactly which Ohio State players will be available. Are they going to be like, will they have gone fully through the return to play and like basically game ready shape? I mean, we've seen with college basketball with, you know, coming out of protocol, it's hard. And it, so there, there's a lot of unknowns in, in that area as well. Um, and it's kind of strange because this is obviously in a unique year. They had to push back selection day to get in more regular season games. And, it's the shortest turnaround now to the semifinal. So it's less than two weeks. And we're in an era where you actually need those days for these COVID protocols. So it's like, you know, obviously the big 10 tweaked their, um, their, their protocol, but it's still, there's definitely still a little bit uncertainty, um, which kind of adds a layer too, because obviously like having or not having a Chris Olave makes a big difference. So Nicole, this is kind of just a general question for you. You know, we're recording this, you know, a little over a week before the games. Have you run into issues this year where you say something and then – and obviously on our show it's not as big of a deal if you say it on, like, national radio. But where you say something and then, you know, knock on wood, the starting quarterback three days later gets, you know, is out for COVID. And everything you've said all week kind of just goes out the door. Uh, yes, which is why I always remind people, which we have not done yet, but we are recording this on Wednesday, December 23rd. It's 7.30 Eastern because this was what happened in the summer into the fall. Things were changing so fast that you knew that you could definitely say things that were outdated. I did multiple radio shows where we thought Nick Saban actually had COVID and it was the false positive, right? And so 
you know, we're like, oh, he's definitely not going to be on the sideline. They keep trying to get him to be there. And then, you know, the, the SEC had that the, the way to test out of it and figure out if it was a false positive, right? And so it's just been one of those years where everything changes, although we do know that Trevor Lawrence has already had COVID, so you have that element. So there's certain people we can rule out for, you know, kind of throwing a major wrench into things. Um, but yeah, it's been incredibly hard to predict. I've actually had so many questions about how people have even attempted to gamble on these games, not knowing availability and how people are going to look. I mean, again, I, I have a lot of friends who, who bet on these games and I just, I would say like, you've got more of a problem if you're doing it during this, but I understand that like heart habits are hard to break, but like, I would not <laughs> trust any, I would not trust myself putting any money on any game this year in anything. Good thing. We don't gamble. We've, we definitely didn't lose money on the Ohio state spread and, and Trey Sermon not getting in at the end. Well, again, yeah, because it's, you know, you, you really never know. I mean, I got so mad at Lance Leopold for not keeping Jarrett Patterson in the game when he was about to break the single game rushing records and touchdown records. And I can only imagine like actually what it, like the level of anger I felt about that clearly is how people feel when they lose money on stuff and they get really mad at like end of game decisions. And <laughs> I'm still livid and I'm going to hold this against this coach forever. And I didn't have any money on that game. <laughs> you were more or less mad than for some reason, some people are about Sarah Fuller getting to kick in a game. Mm, no, those people are really mad. Like, they're like – I'm still confused about it because I'm not sure how it affects their lives. Like, I don't understand how it hurts anyone, truly. Um, but I am glad that, you know, these – a lot of these men learned about squib kicks – how hard they are, how you kind of direct them to certain spots on the field, and then also how extra points, which they said were really easy, are actually kind of hard, as we've seen even professional kickers struggle with shorter kicks um, and other college kickers struggle with extra points. So I do think that there has been a lot of special teams education this season. Yeah, I, I know you guys have both seen the videos um, of people who were mad at the Bears kickers for missing yeah. those kicks. And then they brought people off the street who tweeted, like, I could have made that kick. And they, and they, and they kick them. And they literally are, like, missing the ball. I won't, I'm not going to sit here and think that I could be a college kicker right now. Like, I would never want to be either. You, that too. I mean, this was a new case. But usually you only ever get in the spotlight for doing something bad. Oh, yeah. It's, this was she actually did her job when they what they asked her to do and people got mad but like <laughs> that is it's like being a ref like you literally you, you don't want anyone to talk about you it's an offensive tackle the offensive tackle is the best one because you only get they only the announcers aren't going to say wow that was an unbelievable block right like no they'll say oh this guy messed up and that's yeah. why it's sack also yeah. there's very few jobs in sports that are mostly praise and no negative attention. Defensive end, though, on the flip side, when, is every, when has anyone said, oh, wow, this defensive end has not been – no, he sacked him, and now everyone's like, oh, this is why. Yeah, one time. One time <laughs> yeah, in, like, two games, game. and it's great. Yeah, yeah. see, that, that, that's the, the percentages that I'm interested in. Like, do very little minimal impact, even though you're doing stuff on every play, um, but only getting praised. I, I respect that. The thing I found funniest about the Sarah Fuller, and it's weird to say situation, because it's not a situation, it's just like a moment. I, like, people were acting like she marched into Vandy <laughs> Athletics and was like, you put me on yes. the, the damn football team right now and give me an opportunity to kick, or I swear to God, there's going to be problems. Like, they were like, we don't – we don't have a kicker. We need, right. need someone. He was to like, hi, I will help you. Right. You, you don't have a men's soccer team. Like, it would be like no other option. mad at someone bringing food to like a homeless shelter and saying you didn't bring enough. Like there, you yeah. only brought enough for every single person to eat twice. No, it, or, or it would be like, um, you know, again, bringing food to a homeless shelter and then someone being like, well, why, why didn't you bring Italian? Why did you bring tacos? <laughs> We really wanted McDonald's. Please. Yeah, like, like it doesn't make sense. And, and that was, I mean, uh, obviously people were being purposely obtuse with all of that. But, yeah, I mean, she was helping. They had no other options. Like, I talked to their special teams coach about it. Like, they tried people out on the team. If, if one of you guys 
raised your hand, like a normal kid on campus, like I'll help, I can kick, I, you know, I played soccer or whatever. Um, would that not be the greatest story in college football that week? I kicked a 40 yard field goal in high school once in gym class. There so. you go. See? So you throw me out there. And I should have raised, that's my own fault, except for I think I've exhausted my eligibility. So that's the, that's the underlying story is that Sarah Fuller first had to dodge me not having eligibility, and that's why she should be praised even more. But this is true. That's just another – well, Why a, didn't they just get someone from the Vandy soccer team? Oh, if you looked for more than one second, you would see Vandy doesn't have a men's soccer team, so that's why they didn't take anyone from the men's soccer team. Yes, but why Google that when you can just tweet it? <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you just tweet it? <laughs> exactly. All right, but we got to get back. Nicole, I want to hear briefly if Ohio State wants to win this game. Okay, you're drawing up the perfect game plan. You know a ton about Clemson. You know a ton about Ohio State. How can Ohio State win this game? Tell our fans, tell our list, not our fans, tell the Ohio State fans and our listeners straight from the source. How can they win this game? Okay, well, so a couple of things that I think are, are interesting about this Clemson team is there was a lot of turnover on the offensive line. So I think you've got to obviously apply pressure. Um, you know, Trevor's been a pro. He's been NFL ready since he was a freshman, right? He does not get rattled. But one thing that was really interesting in the Notre Dame game the first time was they basically took Travis Etienne and the run game out of the picture and that doesn't usually happen and that, again it's such a luxury to have a guy like Travis Etienne because they've gotten more intentional with him in the passing game so he he is never going to get fully taken out of the game um, but I do think you have to try to make them one-dimensional if you can and in the passing game it's also changed is they don't have T Higgins and Justin Ross has been out all year with an injury so they don't really have, like, that guy that they will just throw 50-50 balls to. They, they are a little bit more – and, again, Trevor's as accurate as ever. Like, it's not like they're not, they're not having big passing plays. But it's a little bit different where, like, sometimes you could just do that and those guys are going to come down with it because they're basically basketball players. That, that's a little bit different. So I, I think you, you pick your poison, and I think you probably at least try to take – ETN out of the game on the ground. I think you, you, again, you're trying to put pressure on, you know, some of these first year starters on the offensive line. And then defensively, they've had to pressure opposing teams in different ways because it's not like they had those, you know, the, the, these defensive linemen that were just monsters in there forever. Right. And so like Tyler Davis is going to be one of those guys. He's, he's the real deal. Um, but like, I, I just think they're a little bit younger, a little bit greener. So they're, they're doing a little bit, different different looks different you know kind of adjustments in a game I mean Brent Venables is is a wizard and we we know that but it's just different than the way they were doing it last year and like James Skalski is their most important defensive player when obviously Isaiah Simmons was last year and he was kind of just him against Ohio State um and if they had had two of him they they you know the game would have gone very different so it's just like different tweaks and different opportunities. But I mean, they're so hard to beat. I keep thinking back, which I guess was technically earlier this year was LSU Clemson championship game. And for a half or at least a quarter plus, like it felt like they could do it, but you had a relentless offense, you know, in Burrow, he had all the weapons around him um, and Burrow played his worst half in that first half, and then he was typical Joe Burrow in the second half. So it's almost like, you know, Fields needs to play a lot better than he has in the two biggest games that Ohio State's had. Like, he, he, he really, really does. Because you're just – Trevor's not going to make mistakes. And like I said earlier about the first game, I just I, – I worry about the teams that are going to have to keep pace scoring in these games. And I think that pressure is going to fall obviously on Notre Dame. And I think that pressure is going to fall on Ohio state as well, just because we've seen some of these games, like the Northwestern game took a while to realize you should just be getting the ball to Trey Sermon. Right. Um, and again, even in Indiana, like Justin wasn't the best quarterback on the field. So it's, you know, he needs to be better. He needs to make decisions faster. He needs to be more accurate um, but they also need to keep pace because I, you know, just Clemson, when they reach this time of year, they are so hard to beat. And it literally took one of the best offenses that college football has ever seen to actually 
beat Trevor Lawrence. That's still his only loss in college. Crazy. Doesn't lose. Yeah, he's a, he's a monster. My, my entire family is in mourning because they're Jets fans. They're right. so mad about that win. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the epitome. Uh, that's just terrible. But anyway, final, final piece of this game, obviously. The only thing we're lacking is a prediction. Um, we, I, don't I don't know, know if I have one yet. Yeah, well, kind of like marinade on it. You have to give us one. So, well, what, did you guys make your formal predictions? No, but we will for this episode when we recorded. Well, in- if you I want, think. if you want, I can I can text you Sunday when we're recording and say what's your prediction. Or you okay, can- I, I would like to marinate a few more a few more days. Well, it'd be um, fun to give an initial prediction right now. Well, I think my initial my initial prediction is Clemson winning. Um, I, I absolutely think this is going to be a tight game. Um, but I will, I will give you a score prediction on Sunday, unless I totally change my mind. But I, I think I'm I, – I don't know. I just – I love Trevor Lawrence. I think he's phenomenal. I think he and Travis Etienne – when Travis Etienne decided to come back, it was unfair, like, to have him back. The fact that Trevor had to come back to college, couldn't go pro sooner, it's just kind of like an unfair talent – on this roster situation. Um, and like I said, I just worry about Justin Fields and which Justin Fields shows up. Um, like I, I, I know what Trevor Lawrence is showing up. So I'm definitely going to give you a Clemson winning prediction, but I do not know how or what score. So I will text you. People are going to be mad. You, you were the reason college football was canceled to begin with. And now you're picking against Ohio state, but you know, Ohio state people think that I don't like them anyway. So just, it's consistent. No, I mean, listen, I, I am, I think this is going to be a great game. Like, and again, we have not had that many great games in the semifinals. Last year's game is probably one of the very few. Um, and I think I'm really glad we're not getting Clemson Notre Dame for a third time. I'm really glad that this is the matchup. I think, um, I don't know. Would you guys have rather matched up with Alabama or Clemson? Neither. Neither. Okay. Well, no, of the no. two. Probably Clemson because Clemson, yeah. winning the semifinal game accomplishes more than if they beat Alabama in the semifinal game. You know, with the with the little rivalry that's been yeah. built in the drive. Yeah, I want to just punch Dabo in the face. So, <laughs> someone I saw somebody tweeted how uh, they were a Michigan fan, and they tweeted that like what was bothering them so much was that Alabama was the most likable team in the playoffs this year. And I think it's true. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, listen, I feel like Ohio state fans should, um, should be happy. I mean, first of all, the committee liked you so much you were in no matter what, like that's, we got to count for something. Cause like this, you know, in a different, in a different team, a different league or whatever, you, you don't get that benefit of the doubt. So to me, it's a little bit like, you know, you accomplished what you set out to accomplish, which was to get to this. This is why they push so hard. And this is the, this is the thing that I've tried to explain to, to fans, but everyone was very heated and angry for many months of the summer. But the, the difference with we want to play, we want to have a season, and we want to play now, we need to play in the fall, is about this particular team wanting a chance at a national championship. Because you, like Justin Fields and everyone who wanted to play, if you played a season, I would have, retroactively, it would have seemed really dumb to start a season in January or whatever. But if they had done that, they would have been playing. They would have had their opportunity to play and all of that. But they wanted to play on the same calendar, as everybody else and have a chance for the playoff. And they got that. So, um, so yeah, so I just, I like, I just think that that is a successful season. What Ohio state has done to get to this position is successful. Um, but I just, I, I just worry about, you know, the Justin Fields that showed up against Northwestern showing up against Clemson. I think you have a right to think that, but Hey, they actually realized they should just hand the ball off to Trey Sermon. And that was clearly a great decision. So maybe you can do more of that. All right, Joe, should we wrap it up how we always wrap it up? Yeah, Nicole, um, usually, and by usually I mean always, we end the show um, by opening the floor up to our, to our guest, And uh, we would like to um, give you the opportunity to ask us any questions that you've been dying um, to ask us throughout this uh, interview, whether it's related to college football or related to our favorite gas station items. You can ask whatever you'd like. This is your your. Your, the spotlight is on you. Um, you both have been to Wawa's, correct? 
I have, yes. I have not. Ridiculous. All right. <laughs> I don't even well, know what it is. Why did I agree to come no, on this podcast? You don't know what Wawa is, Andrew, actually? Wawa. They, they, it's a cult-like obsession. Yeah, it's, I was it's going to ask the Wawa versus Sheets question, but now, I mean. I've I, never been to Sheets, so. I think there's a clear difference. Wawa is clearly superior, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm extremely concerned. And again, I would have reconsidered this podcast invitation had I known that Andrew has never been to Wawa. I don't even know what it is. What is it? It's like an upscale, uh, this is going to offend you, but it's like an upscale, the best way to describe it is it's like an upscale 7-Eleven. I think that's appropriate description. Sometimes it's, it's like a gas station on steroids. Yeah, and they're not all attached to gas stations. The one in right. my town growing up wasn't, but a lot of them are. They have it's great- East Coast thing also. Great hoagies and hoagie fest. They're in New Jersey, Pennsylvania. A is a sandwich, Andrew. Maryland. <laughs> They're also randomly in Florida now. Which is I've been to one in Florida, one in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been to one. I, anyway, I, it's, the, it's the greatest uh, place on earth. So I was going to ask the, the Wawa Sheets question, and now I'm just um, as speechless. <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing else. Yeah. Way to go, Andrew. <laughs> I, I feel like an idiot. We should have we should have prepped you that we were going to be asking you questions. Then in return, you should have prepped us with what that question was. So it's our, <laughs> my fault. No, it's actually your fault for never going to a Wawa. But that's yeah, that's yeah. Don't deflect any of the blame. It's just I'm you taking the blame. blame. I gotta you go. The Wawa. Good, you should. I gotta go. All right. Well, Nicole, we thank you for joining us. We will make sure that we roast you if your predictions are wrong. Yes. And we will praise you if your predictions are right. Okay, I accept those terms of the deal. <laughs> All right, thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Nicole. You know, as we talked about, we got big week of sports, Buckeye basketball, and then, of course, the playoff. Next time you hear from us, Joe, are we going to be happy or are we going to be sad? Because last year when we talked to everyone after the playoff game, there was uh, a lot of anger and we took calls. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> we'll def- we should definitely take calls again regardless. Um, my- I hope we're going to be happy. I don't know. We're kind of angry people just in general, I guess. So we'll probably be angry about something. I think we need to do a live stream of someday soon of one of the basketball games. That would be fun. Remember there was that company that reached out to me? Um, that, that their whole deal was, um, you can pay to watch your favorite team play with a yeah. alive. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just do that. We'll do that for free for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're on, on TikTok. There's these kids that announce games It is so cute and fun. TikTok. TikTok. Who, all right, let's end it like this. Who's your favorite right now? Favorite guy on TikTok? I don't really know anyone's names. You don't know but, Mr. Sexy Guy? But I do like, I need a bad bitch. Ooh, Addison Ray, show me the baddest. No, I like the guy, I like the guy that dances naked with or dances with his shirt off that does whoa, the whoa. and there you go. Oh, can't make a wife out of oh, a yeah. hoe. The big guy? Oh. Yeah, the big guy. <laughs> Coach Dugs. <laughs> um, there's a few guys that I like. Have you seen the one guy who he wears that unicorn hat and he goes, Chaka yeah. that, that guy is so funny. And then there's the guy who they're always in a car and he will say some stupid pun and then like some song will play in the background and he'll start lip syncing it, like making my way down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Buckle up, drive the lane. <sighs> Go Buckeyes, beat Clemson, and I don't like Dabo Sweeney. We didn't talk about that. We don't like Dabo Sweeney. You want to do a quick rant about it, or, or are we all? No, no, no. Go Buckeyes and boo Dabo Sweeney. <laughs>